Hey again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. My name is Seth Everett. You knew that because you subscribed, and thank you for subscribing. I'll say this. Nobody's in their cars. Nobody's in gyms. So nobody's listening to podcasts, but our numbers are still good, and we appreciate every one of your subscribers and everybody who's listened to these podcasts. You know, one of the things you have heard about during the content of the quarantine is media outlets are falling apart. Radio stations, print newspaper, TV stations, everything is shutting down. But there's a story, and we're going to focus on it this week, where there is a brand new sports media company, and it's going to focus on sports and business. And when in the world did you ever think that would be something we could actually discuss? It's incredible. And the CEO of Sportico uh, is a gentleman by the name of Dick Glover. If you've ever heard of his name, he was the president and CEO of Funny or Die. So, yes, we'll have Brockmeyer questions. He also worked at NASCAR, <laughs> ESPN, WWE, uh, all over uh, WBZ in Boston, which uh, I do some radio up there. So all, all over. And uh, Dick Glover is uh, with us now here on the podcast. First of all, congrats on Sportico and welcome. Thanks for joining us. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. You know, one of the things that I'll just get right to the start of it. This is launching, if you're listening to this, the week that it comes out, the the Sportico website launched yesterday. And all I'm saying is, how did you do this during COVID and all of this going on? How did you pull this off? Uh, not exactly as it was originally scripted and planned. Um, that, uh, basically, uh, the idea was... Uh, hatched you know six seven months ago whatever it may have been actually the idea was a long time ago just finding the right people to do it and the right people were Penske Media and uh, that once we got it figured out that we wanted to do it uh, my first day in the office was like two weeks before the office closed (laughs) oh that's wild Um, and my partner in crime the editor-in-chief Scott Soshnick, who has covered sports for Bloomberg for 28 years. Um, and has been on this podcast. Again. I'm cutting you off just there real quick. And has been on this podcast. Check out episode 216. Uh, Scott was amazing. When he was with Bloomberg, he did a whole sports business episode back in 26, uh, on episode 216. And oh my God, was the landscape different when we had that episode. Yeah, if you listen to that now, none of what he says applies now. Continue. Yep. Boy, is that true. But anyway, he's never been in the office. (laughs) So he literally joined as the office was closing. Um, And and so it's all, uh, you know, been been done remotely. But but interestingly, actually, I think the situation uh, in some ways made it better to launch, not easier, but better. And, And our original game plan had been to launch around Labor Day when you had that confluence of all the sports, baseball heading into the pennant races, football beginning, college football going on, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. be the perfect time to launch. Then, of course, everything shut down, and we said, you know, wow, now the only thing to talk about in, in sports is really the, the business of it, the culture of it, um, because – you know, there are no scores to report, there are no games being played, et cetera. 
So we looked and said, is there any way we can kind of fast track it? We also, and this is 100% a, a credit to Scott, that we were able to put together an editorial team very quickly because what I found that I didn't know was pretty much everybody in the industry wants to work with Scott. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so having been able to put together <laughs> the uh, editorial team quickly and then being within Penske Media that has just phenomenal resources, phenomenal infrastructure, uh, we realized we could build it much more quickly than one would have thought. And so everybody kind of put their nose to the grindstone in their own homes and apartments and wherever and worked hard and uh, we were able to launch it. And as I said to people before we launched, the day before we launched, I said, I was originally a little bit nervous about hitting Labor Day as a date to think that we ended up beating July 4th <laughs> is kind of a, a testament to, you know, just some amazing work ethic as, as well as some real talent. Well, it's funny yeah. because I was a big follower of Scott's and it was great having him on the show and getting a chance to meet him. And that was one thing, you know, I, I root for nice people and he's, a, he was a good guy, but what I got a kick out of is you literally stole the guest list from sports with friends over the time of your history. <laughs> and you tried to just usurp as many uh, people from my life. And it's literally like the smallest of worlds, uh, not to mention, uh, I mean, Barry Bloom is one of right, my nearest sure. and dearest. And I worked with him over at MLB. Uh, he's one of the yeah, best. Yeah. Um, uh, Corey uh, from, I don't yeah. know, you know what, uh, John Wall Street. Uh, yeah. He's 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 a great young kid, and I've gotten a chance to know him over the last few years. And I think from NYVC is where I met Corey, and I think that's where I met you. Because when I saw a picture of you, because when they said to me, they said, you're going to have a chance to talk to Dick. And I said, I, I know him from somewhere. And I, now, and I put two and two together. We definitely have met at one of those type of events. Yeah. Um, yep, I'm sure. What what about the idea that print journalism needs a reinvention? That what has happened is you're seeing some of the old traditional media outlets uh, not figure out how to translate to digital, and some have succeeded very well. Some have failed miserably, and when they when they fail, it's oh that old company they don't know how to do it since the print stopped. And then there's the forward-thinking companies. What is it about either Sportico or Penske that is forward-thinking for a 2020 media consumption? Yeah, I'll, I'll start with Penske because, as I said, the, the, the idea, the opportunity, uh, a bunch of us, including Scott and myself separately, thought there was an opportunity but the problem was that in, in, in this day and age, to build a digital publishing company, even if it's multi-platform, from scratch is just a truly daunting task. Um, and so the idea wasn't pursued for a while. And then, as I say, by circumstance, uh, Jay Penske and I met, got together and talked and he pointed out that he had the infrastructure and understood his company, Penske Media, really understood the whole digital publishing space and that with the ideas and then with someone like Scott on the editorial side, 
that then you could build it. Then you had an infrastructure in place to leverage. And and what Penske Media has done terrifically well, and for people who don't know Penske Media, they are the owners and publishers of Variety, Deadline, The Rob Report, Rolling Stone, Women's Wear Daily, Footwear News, She Media, uh, and a bunch of others. And uh, a wildly successful company. Well, okay, so what is the secret sauce, if you will? Well, the secret sauce is content. <laughs> it sounds pretty simple, yeah. but it is a content company. And content is the driving force in all of those publications. But then once you do have the content, you have to have the infrastructure to effectively, cost-effectively, intelligently distribute it and get it to the customers. So again, I wasn't part of it, so I can speak glowingly that Rolling Stone, terrific content, a terrific brand. When Penske Media bought it, they were able to, with the editorial team and the people that were in place who were so terrific, really focus the business, transform it to more of a digital business, more of a live media business than just a print publication. And it is flourishing and it is, you know, just terrific on all fronts. And so that's kind of the combination. And I think that a lot of times it, it, it's difficult that, you know, the old turning a battleship is a slow, hard, hard process. And it's especially difficult when you have a good legacy business uh, and that I think in the print world, and it was experienced in the music business first and then in others, but in the print and news business, that there were some people that were more protective of a legacy business. And therefore, while they may have thought they were innovating and, hey, gee, we have a website or whatever, they weren't really being forward thinking and developing models and, and all of that. Um, and and so I think companies gave a great opportunity for companies like Penske Media, who did have a little bit of a different approach and were more digital first, uh, were able to step in and, and, and be very successful. And again, now a number of companies have transformed. And one of the most recent, I think, which is pretty interesting, is how the Washington Post has uh, transformed itself since, you know, Jeff Bezos bought it. Um, and again, you know, it can be done for sure. <laughs> we'll get back to sports with friends in just a moment. But first, did you know that I have another podcast that I do? It's like sports with friends, but it's a little different. It's about the superhero sci-fi universe. I have been a fan of comic books, animation, movies. And when I started the Hall of Justice podcast, we wanted to do it for adults. Why did I name it the Hall of Justice? Because if you're old enough to know what the Hall of Justice is, you're our demographic. The idea of the show is to take the same passion that fans have for sports, but to bring it to the superhero genre. We have movie reviews where we spoil the movies. Don't worry, we warn you so that you can see it first. We also have celebrity guests where we interview actors, voice actors. The Hall of Justice podcast comes out every Thursday wherever you get your podcasts. One of the things that you have to do is read the room. And this is something that I've been critical of 
in the uh, electronic media from the from a broadcast standpoint um, ever since they stopped using diaries, for example. So radio <laughs> used to be diaries. And you just had to remember Don Imus's name. That's all you had to do is just write <laughs> Don Imus in the morning. And that was how he got his ratings. Like it wasn't about what did he do at 830 or what did he do at 905? And now in radio, everything is by the quarter hour. And I have literally been told by program directors, and it drives me nuts, is you must talk about the NFL every 15 minutes. The NFL yeah. has to be hit every 15 minutes so that if you get into a great debate about the designated hitter, you cut that short because you have not hit your quarter hour of NFL talk because NFL drives the personal people meter, that PPM thing. In yeah. your sense, the content that you guys are producing today, hypothetically, in yeah. two months may be completely different based on You'll be able to track data. You'll be able to see trends. You'll say what hits, what really hits, what kind of hits, what's niche and what's not. You'll be able to see all that, right? And I would imagine Penske has great ways of market tracking. Yes. Yeah. The, the answer is, is yes. And, and that we will have at uh, our, our fingertips, if you will, some terrific data analytics, uh, some terrific audience development tools, uh, Etc. And and it, it, it's like though you know uh, a paintbrush and paints and an easel and you know a canvas and one person can come up with Drek and another person is Picasso. Then just because you have the tools doesn't guarantee success. But put in the hands of the right people, the tools can be incredibly valuable. And that, that, again, it's something I learned long ago, that it is a mix always of art and science. And that, you know, I, I remember years ago, somebody came out, they done a tremendous amount of research on the themes of movies and what worked, and they could look at any script and run it through this computer program and tell you whether it was going to work or not based on, on all of this. And uh, it just failed miserably as a tool because it, it completely ignored the creative process. It completely mm. ignored, you know, uh, what, um, you know, uh, one director could do with a script versus another director with the exact same script. And, and so uh, we do have a huge advantage that we have some great tools but that that'll be meaningless if we don't create the great content to start with. And, and that can't be done by formula. You know, that's done by intelligence. That's done by hard work. Um, that's, that's done by access, you know, all of those things. You know, one of the things that you have to recognize is, and when I say you, not meaning you are our guest right. today, but you know the the, the listener, the ustedes uh, of the, of the group. Uh, one of the things that you have to realize is uh, this is the Penske model has shown that you can be profitable. And I don't know the books, and th th yeah. that's that I don't check out what RollingStone.com makes every year, but they are clearly doing the commercial advertisement model in that all of their content is always free. Um, that's very different than, for example, the last sports media outlet that 
burst onto the scene, the athletic who literally is doing it the exact opposite way. And it's interesting to see from an, from a perspective of it's interesting to see what works for what people, because I would imagine your numbers have to be much higher than the athletics numbers simply because the athletic is guaranteed $7 a month or, or whatever it is, $4 a month for, for, for that content. And you guys have to now have content to pitch to advertisers. And yes, Penske has this great base that they can fall on, but for them, it must be uncharted territory too, because they've never had a sports outlet. Um, yes and no. I, I, I would also though back up one of the things, uh, that in your your description of Rolling Stone and The Athletic, both, um, that both those publications, those companies, are actually looking to develop multiple revenue streams. It, mm. you know, it, it's clear that the more revenue streams you can develop, the better your chance of weathering a storm like many of us are going through now or... Uh, a downturn in one area or another. So being 100% dependent on subscription, 100% dependent on advertising, 100% dependent on ticketing, uh, 100% uh, dependent on any one revenue stream has some inherent risks. Um, And that certainly in our case, um, we are going to look over time at, at, at the moment Everything we have is free, but that we anticipate that not imminently, but at some point in time, we will be able to create some some real value add that either through some form of commerce or some form of membership or some form of partnership um, will have value. And so that we'll, we'll have advertising value, we'll have partnership value, Hopefully, we'll have some commerce value. Hopefully, we'll have some uh, live event value. You know, that sure. one could be a lot longer farther away. If, right. If you believe the numbers we're seeing every day out here in Los Angeles anyway. Uh, don't know how, don't think it's going to be anytime soon that we're going to have large gatherings of people. But um, that, that, that's, you know, the goal. And for us, it, it's really pretty simple. We're building the ground floor and foundation of what we hope will be a very large business. And that ground floor and foundation is really, really simple. It's great daily content. A model used to be a role model. We have a special announcement here to make on the show, and it involves Spotify. How many of you have Spotify? You know, my daughter made us get Spotify because she wanted to listen to music. And then I found out something that really made me cool in my house. We are so excited to announce that Sports with Friends and my other podcast, Hall of Justice, is now available to stream free on Spotify. If you haven't tried listening there yet, it's free to download. Use Spotify on any device. It's a great listening experience. You go straight from listening to your favorite music, Prince, and switch right over to our podcast in the very same app. And when my phone is plugged into my car, my daughter can control the music with her app because we have the same account. Just search for our show, Sports with Friends, on Spotify and start listening free. 
And remember, it's totally free, even if you're not a premium member. Since we have you here and, you know, we don't just want to, you know, <laughs> everybody go check out Sportico. We, 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 there we go. We, we've, we've said that. <laughs> go <let's> move on. <laughs> read, read the rest. Um, Sportico.com. A couple Sign of things the on newsletters. There you go. Newsletters <laughs> right there. Uh, <laughs> um, what about uh, the current status of sports? Now, if you're listening to this in the future, because podcasts can be downloaded <laughs> at leisure, please tell us how the flying car is and tell us how we got yeah. out of this thing. Uh, but what about the idea that sports is on its way back? I did a series of podcasts with the p- busiest people in the industry. I did uh, back-to-back weeks. I had Ian Eagle and Kenny Albert, guys who have six jobs, and they're never home. And they've been home for three months. I said, they'll never be able to do this podcast except for right now. And we have been without sports for a while. Golf came back. NASCAR came back. And I know you have history with NASCAR. But this idea that team sports are on their way back as – 37 Clemson players are testing positive and Novak Djokovic is testing positive and the Denver Nuggets are closing their facility and baseball is getting all these kids guys. Well, baseball's plan is there. They have a 101 page uh, booklet on protocols, but not one of those pages says anything to do once you leave the ballpark. So those guys are doomed. I don't know how you do sports safely. I don't have the answers. I'm not asking you to have the answers, but from your standpoint, where you're sitting now, do you think this is a necessary thing that we got to get this back come hell or high water? Or would we be better off just waiting four more months or six more months? I, I, I don't know. What's your take on all that? Yeah, I, 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 you know, don't think I could in good conscience say, you know, having a major league baseball game is necessary. Um, However, I, I do believe that there are clearly uh, mental health issues, physical health issues, lots of things to be dealt with right now. Mm-hmm. And that anything that can be brought back that we enjoyed, that can be brought back safely, that is not going to threaten the physical health of thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people um, should be looked at and, 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 and determined, you know, is it feasible? Can it be done? Uh, that I have no idea. I am incredibly grateful that I don't work right now at a professional sports team or a professional sports league because uh, the amount of scenario planning that has to go into all of this, the amount oh of research, God. The amount is just staggering. And I, you know, I heard reports from friends, and I believe it's true because I don't know why they would uh, deceive me, who work in league offices. You know, oh. while, while we've been working hard, those guys have literally spent the last couple of months, you know, long nights and, and mornings. Because you just think of the level of detail necessary to safely try and, and you know, set up uh, the the Orlando bubble for the NBA or the MLS or something like that. It's just staggering. Um, will they succeed? I wish I had a crystal ball and, and to tell you, I'm encouraged by, I, I, I'm a, 
little bit of a Premier League fan, and I've been okay. watching what they've done, and and uh, again, um, they seem to have done it pretty successfully, and not without some stumbles and issues and everything. And they've had positive tests, and they've had protocols for dealing with it. You know, uh, they they seem to have done it well. Um, but who knows what happens when, you know, in three days, four guys on one team test positive. What happens? I don't know then? what their contingency yeah. is. I don't know what happens. Um, the, I, I will say that I'm, you know, still a little bit baffled by the level of optimism that the NFL is showing. You know, <laughs> I don't, I, I really, I don't foresee, and here's the one that they can, you know, we can look back on in three months and say, boy, what an idiot that guy was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't foresee, you know, how I, how they have any meaningful number of people in stands at an NFL football game in September, how they're going to get that number of players and coaches and people that you need in one facility to train and get ready and do all that and then potentially travel and play games, you know, but I hope their optimism is rewarded because I think it would be great. You know, I just think myself, you know, what I would do to take my 11 year old son to a Dodger game. I mean, I would still be able to do that right now. Um, But I'll tell you what, if they said they were having one tomorrow and everybody's welcome, there's no way I'm going. (laughs) Well, and and it's so interesting to hear you say that because I got an email today. And again, you know, this is this it's July 1st, the day this this show is coming out. So, you know, if you're listening on August 15th, you're laughing at us because it's all been revealed. But they said, you know, here's the link to uh, apply for credentials for games. And I said, wait a second. This has been determined that the general public, it's unsafe for the general public to be at. And I'm going to a city field or Yankee Stadium or Citizens yeah. Bank Park. Like, I, I, I feel really weird. And some people would say, listening to this, are going to be, oh, my God, that's lucky. And some people would say, you're out of your mind. What, what are you doing? And I, I tell the joke, and I've said it on the podcast before. It actually was on an earlier episode of this show, um, I had a reunion with two of my dearest friends. Uh, this was episode 248, Tory Hunter and Jock Jones, two uh, outfielders. And yeah. they, I know them from our MLB days. And uh, I said to Tory, I said, I said, do you think the players will respect the quarantine? And he looked at me and he said, quarantine? He said, half the clubhouse is going to be on Tinder during the national anthem. <laughs> and I said, at that moment i said to my wife i said this is dumb this plan is doomed i said this is this is not happening the nba one and the nhl one i get and i agree with you that there are so many people that you know quarantine with anxiety and 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 depression and other such issues and i'm not trying to trivialize them in any way and i'm not going to name them all but there are plenty of mental ailments that people are afflicted with that could use that release. They could use something to watch and give them the Stanley cup playoffs. And what I would say to the players on both the NBA and the NHL is for God's sake, stick to the isolation, please just get through these months, find a Stanley cup champion because we're all dying for it. 
And that feels better. The NFL, the criticism I had for the NFL was I didn't like the release of the schedule. I thought the arrogance there was wrong. I didn't mind the draft. I like free agency. I know it's compromised because you can't bring players in to, to, to evaluate them and give them physicals. But this idea that you announced that September 10th, the Kansas City Chiefs will be home at Arrowhead. You don't know that. And why tell me that? So now you're going to break my heart again. Like, yeah. why didn't you just say, hey, you know what we promise? 16 games. When? I don't know. But we'll promise you 16 games as close to on time as possible. And I just think I'd respond to that better. Yeah, and look how angry uh, people got when Dr. Fauci said he didn't see how it was going to be possible. And, and yeah. everybody said, how dare him say that? Yeah. Oh, he didn't hesitate <laughs> either. Yeah, I think it's just a testament, though, to to how much for people who are sports fans and to whom sports represents a, a, a release and a diversion and oftentimes a family uh, event, um, just how much everybody really does uh, miss it. And it's funny, in, in my family, um, for the moment, uh, the substitute has been we're uh, essentially binge-watching 40 seasons of Survivor. <laughs> oh, my God. We got to get you a remote. I got to get you a Netflix the, password. <laughs> well, the, uh, uh, I, I have never been a Survivor fan. I, just, yeah, right. I, I never watched it. And, and uh, uh, my kids were watching they're, they're it. They're in. So I just sort of sat down and, and got hooked into, you know, one of the episodes and uh, – so As I fun. say, I, I said to them, it, it really is kind of my my substitute for um, sort of the, the the competition junkie or whatever that I am and, and watching sure. uh, makes me enjoy watching sports. <laughs> uh, totally. It totally makes sense. I, and it's so funny because I think a lot of it has to do with what your family situation is, not meaning you, but for all the listeners, because yeah. just this idea that you know, like we were besieged with, I had work and I had second grade math and I had to right. do second grade, yeah. you know, and, and the, yeah. my respect for teachers has gone up so much <sighs> because if you have a show at one o'clock and it's 1245 and it's telling time and you just want to say to your lovely daughter who's trying, but she's not in a rush, it's yeah. 315. <laughs> and I, how you don't just give her the answers. It's torture. That's a, that's a unique yeah. form of torture I didn't know. And that's why I don't complain that much about it because there's people going through so much yeah. worse. And we, well, we respect I, that. I, one of my favorite coronavirus stories is uh, a friend of mine told me that he has two young kids, elementary school kids. And the uh, first day of remote learning, he, he called his wife and he said, How, how's it going? How, how'd it go? She said, yeah, it's been a, been a pretty good day, but so far two kids have been suspended and one teacher has been fired for drinking. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know, and so that's sort of the home learning. Yeah, we're all ready for our kids to get back to school, and you're right. It, I think, and, and again, like everything, there are positives to be found, and one of the positives of is I do think people have a much greater appreciation of teachers and nurses and healthcare workers so, yeah. and these people who are 
traditionally undervalued by our society, quite inappropriately, but realistically. Yeah. Now I think people are starting to say, wow, they should be valued much more because uh, we can appreciate and see uh, how talented and, and, and how important they are. That's such a, such a strange thing. Uh, before we let you go, yeah. um, you work for Funny or Die. Uh, how much fun was that? And is that, is that, uh, is that everything I would imagine a job could be? Cause all jobs can be stressful. And I'm not trying to say that you didn't have stressful moments, but everything I've seen from them, even stuff that I don't love is funny. They are producing constant, co- uh, uh, content constantly. And it seems like it's happening at all hours of the day. Uh, what was that experience like? No, it was fantastic, and and uh, it was a lot of parallels with what I'm doing now. You know, my job was to try and get everything so people who were really, really good at what they did could do it. <laughs> I'm, as you can tell by this podcast, not funny. Uh, I'm not very creative. Eh, don't sell yourself um, short. You've had a couple of yucks. But, <laughs> but, but um, you know, what my job is i've been lucky i've had a number of jobs that have, that have all been great fun and they all had one similar characteristic was i was lucky enough to be surrounded by incredibly talented people and my job was to figure out how to help them uh, be talented and it's funny or die it was uh, pretty easy because they were so talented but you, you mentioned that the the top uh Brockmire, which is uh, one of the things i want to show know, i'm that, that that came into existence that there are so many long stories but it is one where i was fortunate enough to actually play a role uh that enabled it to finally happen and Wait, then to see, no way. see the job that hank uh that hank did and he's really the driving force behind that that show and uh a lot of people but but he's terrific and, and uh from the first time I'll, I'll never forget the first time i saw the original video on funny or die that hank did joe Buck and costas and dan patrick yeah and, and, you know oh. we said this has to become a tv show or a movie oh. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 if there's great. ever a criticism of it they say it's too inside baseball and all i say is good keep it that way because yeah. i love it yeah, right <laughs> right no, but I was, and again, one of the reasons I was at Funny or Die was another experience I was lucky enough to have at NASCAR, and and that it was I was able to be uh, an executive producer on Talladega Nights and oh, okay. be able to, you know, be part of that from from you know beginning to end, if you will, and and that's where I I met the guys that were ultimately the founders of Funny or Die. You mentioned NASCAR. That. You mentioned NASCAR, and you were there at a very different time uh, than it is right now. Um, yeah. When you were at NASCAR, I just want to ask this honest, honest question. Was the Confederate flag as prevalent as it seems it is? Because it seems like it's everywhere. Um, yeah, there was definitely uh, a presence um, that, uh, you know, uh, I can't say that you know there was an, an 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 outward attempt to make anybody feel unwelcomed i think there was uh a level of of ignorance that has now been addressed finally and sure. a level of misunderstanding 
that has now been addressed. And I will say, absolutely, you know, ha- you know, hats off to, to to Steve Phelps and everybody at NASCAR. I think they've handled the last couple of months absolutely brilliantly. I think they brought their sport back. Here's an example of the sport that's now going on, and that they did bring it back in a safe and uh, very thoughtful manner and a very successful manner. Then, when when uh, faced with with all of the issues around Black Lives Matter and Bubba Wallace, I think they have handled it terrifically. I think they would be the first to say that, you know, we all wish when I was there, we had done these same things that Mm. clearly uh, appropriate and long overdue. Um, But they've done a a terrific job in in bringing their sport back and and addressing some very important uh, social issues as well. And one, somebody who always at NASCAR was always one of my favorite people that it's great to see his involvement and how he's doing it. It's Jimmy Johnson and and Mm. really becoming an important voice and, and, and uh, leader in, in getting the message listened, getting it out and getting it listened to. Uh, very well said. And, uh, you know, it, it's funny. We could, you've also been at ESPN and we could do a whole half hour on that. I, I literally feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Um, again, the website is Sportico. Go to sportico.com and uh, check out uh, Soshnik on Twitter, Boomski on Twitter, uh, John Wall Street on Twitter, and all the rest. McCann. I mean, you got some heavy, heavy hitters there. It's, it, it's great. Um, and it's a, it's a, it's an interesting site and I'm, I'm so interested to see where it goes and how it evolves. Uh, I, I think it's, it's really fascinating and I love the idea of getting a chance to see you guys when it starts. Cause we'll have to have you back on the podcast in six months and we'll say what worked and what didn't. And maybe we yeah. could even do that in person. What, what, wait, no, wait. Uh, wouldn't that be a treat? What, what, a, <laughs> what a concept recording yeah. a podcast out of this chair. That would be so interesting. Well, and. We will uh, return the favor as well because uh, within a little while we're going to announce uh, a bunch of podcasts that we'll be doing. Uh, oh, good. Some focusing on, on, you know, people like you and what you do. And so we will definitely return the favor. Sounds great. Uh, once again, Dick Glover, uh, are you on social media? How's your what, – well, what's your I, philosophy I, on that? I, my philosophy is – uh, I'm an old man and uh, not very good at it, so I'm on it because I think it's important to be on it. <laughs> I am not much of a poster. I am much more of a reader. Got it. Got it. Uh, well, because we have a standard so way we close. you will not get you much. You know. All right. Maybe well, the I'm... occasional picture of me with my daughter. <laughs> there you go. Well, then, then you, you just you you as somebody who worked at Funny or Die, you're digging into my bit here. All I can say is if there was anything that you said that, that you heard in today's episode uh, with Dick Lover uh, that you didn't like, find Dick Lover on Twitter, reach out <laughs> to him directly, and leave me the hell out of it. Uh, there you go. There you uh, go. Thanks again uh, for joining us, and uh, good luck with Sportico. I appreciate it. Thanks so much. That's Dick Lover. This is Sports with Friends. Don't forget, next week we'll be here with another episode every Wednesday. And do me a favor, stay safe out there. Please stay safe out there. And we will see you next week. Hey.